Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the Without Context podcast. Uh, you'll see it's just me and Sharky today. Uh, Haley is off talking to her local congressperson. So, woo! Yep. Job, job hunting. Job. And uh, this is everybody this is else is just kind of doing hunts. their everybody else is doing their own thing. So, less job hunting and more like. No, no, no. I'm manifesting this for her right now. She's got that job. Yeah. Putting that out there in the world. She's got it. As of the time you see this episode, she has the job. That is me manifesting. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, we are going to talk a little bit about uh, – so uh, I guess we'll start it this way. Um, we, as in Sharky and I, have recently uh, finished a long – Long for me, even longer for Sharky, uh, campaign um, uh, where Sharky was a DM. And uh, I think today's topic, we, wanted, we really wanted to talk about like that, that uh, post-campaign glow and what comes next. Yeah, and some, uh, general, like some general talk about, you know, what we did, what could have been done better, you know, lessons to carry over for the next... Uh, the next few things because this is the first one that i've personally finished uh i've run several campaigns in the past with different friend groups but all of them kind of petered out for whatever reason like most DD campaigns do um so we were running this one for about two and a half years from the actual start of it and we'll get more into how the evolution of it happened but we uh I, it kind of just came to this ending that none of us really expected. So, kind of uh, had time, had a few days to uh, sit and think about that and all this other stuff about it. Um, I had made a tweet on Twitter earlier, uh, kind of to the TTRPG community as a new face in it, you know, somebody reaching out for the first time. Kind of like, hey, try to gather up questions from an average DM, like no big name content creator who does it for a living, but kind of the more like on the ground guy, like a lot of uh, DMs are. And fortunately, didn't get any uh, real replies to that, probably because, like I said, I'm a no name when it comes to that community. I'm not anybody recognizable. So it's also, also, I was hoping to get some on. questions, at least from like a general player's like point of view about things well on twitter it also tends to be like a roll of the dice whether or not you get something yeah so not no pun intended with you know tabletop gaming but you know yeah so a brief history uh leading up to the start of this one um as i said i've run several campaigns in the past um they all have kind of shared themes with each other um i'm a big like theme and trope kind of person when it comes to stories and when we started this one um it was kind of just a general um uh, kind of like characters in a new unexplored lands kind of having that sense of adventure and discovery uh then it kind of pivoted a few sessions in uh with, with something that i usually do and that is i let things Kind of take like the hard left because it seems fun at the moment. Uh, 
and that campaign ran for a few months and then we started a second campaign in the same world with a new set of players um that was kind of more of like an underdark kind of adventure and uh kind of more of like retrieve this artifact bring it back kind of story and as i'm doing both of them uh i'm starting to realize that these the campaign campaigns themselves are kind of missing something so i look back to the previous campaigns that i ran that i never finished and concepts and aspects that i liked from that campaign and work them into something that both campaigns could unite under and that's when we got the larger player party that we have we have uh regularly eight to nine players at a time we had 11 two players uh dropped out for various reasons but you know that stuff happens and so this campaign became kind of like the third movie in a film series of stuff that i did where it's like this first campaign i tried to run was introduction and then the second one kind of used a lot of those aspects but didn't directly relate to it and then this one i legitimately took stuff from those two campaigns said that they were on other worlds and now we have this campaign world where everything's kind of feeding into it and what happened uh was two and a half years of a story that weaved everybody's characters together uh, characters that were in each campaign now had reasons to like fight alongside each other and they had stories connecting each other and all that stuff that I felt was missing from each of them that the other party did fulfill, like actually completing. And we had it's more characters. Yeah, and we had more planned, but as any DM can uh come to realize, you know, your best laid plans are sometimes gonna be hit by the wayside. And while for the people that were there, it was a very satisfying ending, something I would do differently if I could was not let it play out like that because we were missing players and the campaign just ended uh after a series of circumstances so it wasn't it was a group effort but the whole group wasn't there to enjoy it and i could have let it play out you know stopped the session got everybody back together for a final session and then kind of done like the aftermath of it all rather than just hard stop uh when everything went down um, so that was one of the things that I've learned and will be taking going forward is better, I guess, self-control when stuff takes that hard left when I don't expect it and kind of stopping to assess the situation and, you know, see what the outcome could be, you know, who's missing, who's going to miss this part of whatever is happening. Um, and that's all on top of what I've learned over the two and a half years is just, you know, better planning because when I combined these two, they were the pieces that I needed to kind of link everything together. So if I didn't do that, I'd be struggling to still piece everything together in a coherent way. So I think it's more um, better planning on like that level when it comes to the actual player stories and how they weave into things and how, events progress because the first campaign started um i'm using a fantasy earth so it started in north america with the whole plot 
and then it pivoted to this whole different plot and like off screen i killed off the big bad from the first like few sessions because i knew we weren't going to get back to him because of all this other stuff that was happening now so it was kind of a mess so now i know uh to at least if not keeping it smaller and contained being more aware of what things will do if i decide on something um aside from you know that don't leave players out of moments like this um don't just say it's like oh they did it it's over it's like no i have the say i can be like all right we're calling session we'll finish next week when we can get everybody you know together Mm -hmm. and uh I didn't want to, uh, another thing is trying to figure out when it is appropriate to BS you guys because everything that happened happened because of dice rolls or the circumstances that uh, the situation had involved, uh, you know, the interaction with blight and, you know, plant life and stuff like that. So there was a lot of circumstances and I could have just said, oh, okay, she'll burn a legendary resistance but that wasn't on the sheet at the time so it's like you know i couldn't i didn't feel like i didn't think it'd be right to like rob them the players of the moment that worked out in their favor like that so i think it's learning putting not putting myself into situations where stuff like that is you know possible especially when it's intended to be more of a cutscene. then i actually thought about that uh as you were as you were doing that because um for for the um, for the audience at home who are listening to this, um, the thing that happened in the moment was uh, the cat the 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 big bad is so, in her yeah so let's free, let's, yeah uh, so setting form. so setting the scene um, it was the ending of what I anticipated to be the ending of one of the chapters and then we would get to the final chapter of the game which takes place in my world Atlantis which is an elf uh, kingdom. And stuff like that, and there was this planar gate, and it's very uh, War of the Spark inspired, where it's like I'm going to open this portal to another world, and my army's going to come through, kind of thing. Um, so I intended for a cutscene where the the witch who is serving this dark god would come in, hit the party with a single meteor out of meteor swarm. Uh, given the damage on that, you know, it's going to knock out a few of the players. So it's just kind of this like power move to kind of put them back to a spot. So it gives her time to, you know, escape and all that. And what happened was less players went down than I anticipated for a variety of reasons. Uh, reaction spells absorb elements. Uh, one of the characters had resistance to spell damage, which is a blessing that he received from uh, a deity in over the course of the game. So stuff played out that less players went down than anticipated. And at this point in the story, the main witch was starting to have this plant-like corruption on her because the dark god that she worships is kind of more of a nature and was more of a nature entity than anything. So uh, his influence was turning them more into like these plant monstrosities. So what happened was... She turned away from the party. I, since players were still up, I allowed them turn order to try to do something. 
a hold person succeeded because she had disadvantage because she couldn't see the spell being cast. I ruled that like you can't defend against a spell you're not seeing being cast. That was negated by her spell, her magic resistance stat, but the flat roll was a 12. So hold person took effect. So it's like, OK, uh, that's that. And then our other character used Blight at 5th level, which, as everybody knows, is a lot of necrotic damage. But if you do it against something with plant life, it's maximum damage. And the save is at disadvantage. So at the time, we thought that the save was automatically failed if it was a plant. Uh, that's not the case. And after the session, I rolled the dice just to see. And she would have failed it anyway at that time. So the Blight hit doing maximum damage because I had described her as being partially plant-like. And whole person puts them into a paralyzed state. And with that being a melee attack, it was considered a critical. The stat block that I was using for this witch at this time was a wizard stat block. Uh, slightly modified, just to give the spellcaster stuff, since I wasn't going to make like a final form until the time was coming, because I didn't expect it to be, you know, as abrupt of an ending as it was. They did uh, eight over what the max HP was. And this was even with her. Okay, and this was even was at full health. So it's like, okay, they aligned up these circumstances just right you know mm -hmm. and it's like i'm looking at the sheet and i'm looking to see what i can do and it's like there's no reaction the page doesn't have legendary saves you know they won the rolls for the situation they had and they had a good idea of whole person and then using the information available to them with a proper spell mm-hmm so it was in that moment at the end of this chapter that was supposed to lead into the finale being the finale of the game. And none of us expected it to go like that. Uh, I didn't. The players didn't like we were. I was kind of trying to figure out, like, how can I have an out out of this? That doesn't feel like it's robbing the players of this moment. And I couldn't really think of anything. So it's like, you know what? That's it. You know, you guys put together a good combination of snuff. And, you know, it's I'm not going to punish you for that by saying, nope, that just doesn't work. It's just but then it was also like, you know, we had. Seven of the nine usual players, I believe. Mm -hmm. And it was like, oh, game's over. So. And uh, there was a brief high of like, you know, we did it. I finished a campaign after trying three times in the past starting campaigns that just kind of petered out. So it's like I finished a campaign, even if it wasn't the ending that I had anticipated. You know, most people want their D&D campaigns to end, especially with like these fantasy, like these usual fantasy stories. It's against you know a god or like a big evil and this big like cinematic battle kind of thing jrpg thing the jrpg thing and ours was just you know four injured party members and then two of them managing 
to beat the saves. Like two of our spellcasters managing to beat the saves. And it's like. After sitting and thinking about it, you know, I, I as I mentioned before, I probably wouldn't have ended it there. I probably would have said. You know, you do that. We'll call session. We'll get together next week and we'll see what happens. Well, we could have everybody. Because it was a day or so after I started thinking and I was like, they weren't able to. Some of the players weren't able to be here. They missed this. They I feel like I've you know robbed them of satisfaction since they weren't here. And it's so sudden. And it was just like all these thoughts, you know, were starting to come in like these good thoughts. It's like, hey, we finished. People have written epilogues. You know, they here's where their characters are at this point in time. You know, here's how the world's shaped because a lot of stuff didn't happen. So a lot of stuff that I had planned for the world to change with uh, doesn't happen. And I'm just like, it's this mix of, you know, this high of we did it. But then there's also this, you know, I denied other players because of how abrupt it was kind of thing and that's something that i'm going to be more aware of heading uh going into our next campaign in a few months after i have time to you know decompress from this one and actually get more you know planned out long in, nap. in advance while you run uh call of the nether deep uh for some of our players in our server uh while i just kind of hang out for a bit take a long nap but I mean, um, it I was a, I've been thinking about it. It was a weird road to get to that point. Mm-hmm. And it's like, we've had our ups and downs. Um, you know, there are stressful moments and there are moments where session is just like, felt like nothing happened because I'm trying to mm-hmm. kind of piece together the story at times. And uh, you're like building it right. You're building it like on the next, like off screen behind us. And then just like this ending and how like abrupt and sudden it was like, it was just one of those things that's like, I could have done that better. Um, and it's like, that's something I'm going to be kind of more aware of in the future. Cause the last thing I want is for a campaign to end, but for it to be like, Oh, it just kind of ended without us there, you know? So, um, I've, I'd been thinking about it for a bit. Um, so there's two, two different outs that I, I, envision for you here before even hold person happens um because it's true it's very true she was she was turned away um but before the spell even goes off uh you can uh if a spell has uh, verbal or somatic components you can hear it so in my head i'm rolling a perception check for this this uh my big bad to see if hey Hey, uh, they hear that and they turn around, huh? Counterspell. Yeah, and usually, uh, like at moments like that, though, I mean, most of the party was down. The healers were down, so you you have like a million things kind of going on in your head as a player and a DM, and it's like outside the box thinking like that just doesn't really like flow into your mind in the moment. So, so the yes, I understand that completely, <laughs> um, yeah. but. Uh, the other thing is, uh, I remember you were mentioning because um, uh, the the reason that she was in front of us in the first place was because originally Meteor Swarm is because it, it, it's a, a spell range of like two miles. It's a mile. Um, 
It's a mile, yeah. So, um, in it, the other thing in my head is, you know, this person's like on a hill somewhere, just kind of like you, and you can ask the players to make perception checks, and maybe one of them sees like a figure a mile out on a, on top of a hill, you know, like this, like. <sighs> yeah, well, the and, uh... you know, it's just it's just things like that. Well, it's like the point of it was also to have her there to kind of divide the party too with what she told one of the characters. And that was a that was a point of plot with backstories that I wanted to hit on. I even hinted at something like that happening in one of our text RP channels with the Tiefling Warlock Atticus, where his patrons like you're going to need to hold your party together when the time comes. Because she's the god of prophecy, so she's seen this play out. And then that point of holding the party together is this divide between uh, Tulio and Calum mm. with the information that's found out. Like, So the whole building up to this Atlantis plot was supposed to be this internal conflict now. But it was just like, whoops, all whole person. <laughs> and sometimes it's just like everything kind of just like went completely like sideways so and uh i mean with everything that had happened in the campaign with how previous boss fights had ended i mean we were in a tower fight and the first plan was throw this guy out of a window like it wasn't even so it was it was a few people from the party against a few enemies because the rest of the party had a previous battle the previous session in another part of this uh, monastery. And it's like, oh, cool. It's just the three of these enemies against the four, the four of these players. And the first plan is we're going to throw the muscle of the, the enemies out the window because they're close enough to the window. We have Sentinel. We have Crusher from the Pugilist class. So... It's just like, he goes out the window, and I'm like, well, this changes the dynamic of it. It's still a pretty good fight. Uh, it was. Uh, it's just like, I, I can't plan boss fights around you all, because everything that I can think of, you guys come up with something new most of the time. Temporary hit points, baby. Um, I, I, think, I think not even just you, but I think a lot of DMs woefully like underestimate the power of temporary hit points yeah and just being able to gain them for some reason like uh if like uh, if you're dealing with dark powers you can just get them like that it's really easy yeah um and so, i think that those those types of things are are uh, very helpful when it comes to uh your bosses dying very quickly well temporary hit points don't help when you're thrown out a window so <laughs> don't say so <laughs> um, but yeah so it's like out of everything that happened in the campaign from unexpected boss finishes to crazy like team up combos to all that like having the campaign just end like that abruptly is kind of on brand but at the same mm -hmm. time uh, the more I think about it it's like I probably shouldn't have let it end like that but you know it's just kind of one of those things that has happened it's in the past you know mm hmm after it finished, I kind of talked about, you know, plot elements. So it's like I couldn't even just go back into the campaign and without people knowing like stuff and all that. So sure. I was kind of like writing that emotion. The words. Um, we all were. 
But so like that first day was great, but then it's like I sat there and I started thinking about it and I was like, shit, man, I left people out of this. So trying to not to have that like sour it, but it's definitely something that's like I could have done that better now. Like I could have ended this campaign better. I think that's a very healthy way to think about things, uh, especially as a DM. Uh, I think your best session is the one that's going to come next, not the one that just happened. Your next yeah. session, even if it, even if that was your finale, your next session is the next session that happens, or the next yeah. session that happens, because you're always building up and you're always getting better. Yeah. So the next uh, campaign is, like I said, it's going to be in a few months. Uh, this one was kind of just more of your general uh, fantasy setting. And I'm actually going to adjust this uh, thing on OBS real quick because I feel like we're kind of off. Mm -hmm. There we go. Yeah, we were kind of just sitting like, a little bit below. So. Yeah, um, it's fine. Uh, I also want to. I want to point out. As I, I had saying, to. No, I had to quick. I had to. Setting. Yeah, I had to quickly like do this two-person OBS thing because we usually have three people. So. Um, I, I wanted to quickly say before you continue on that yes, this is uh, a more fantasy setting, but it's also in the same world. Yeah, so the world that I mentioned earlier, the world that I made is just Earth. Like it's a world map of Earth that I found where somebody added additional continents, and I'm assuming those additional continents are like the lost lands of Atlantis, Mu, Lemuria, stuff like that. From I guess like you call it like crypto history where it's like lost civilizations and stuff like that. And um, yeah, ours played out kind of more of just a general like fantasy. We had, you know, people from uh, Conquistador, Spanish, uh, Spanish Inquisition, Spain, uh, people from Gothic Germany, people from steampunk England, uh, elves from Atlantis, which is kind of more of like a crystal magic, crystal tech uh, kingdom. And, other places that really weren't like detailed yet because they were just not really given the opportunity to be since the players didn't stay around um and this next campaign is going to be more towards the east now where uh i don't know the term for it i don't want to say oriental because that's not really a term that people use anymore um but i also don't want to say you know japanese or korean or chinese because it's a mix of those three so how I've been inspired. how I've been describing it is Asian coded when I describe it. Mm -hmm. Um and that will be the first campaign we start at level two. We, most of our campaigns we start at level three. Uh the play by post we start at level one because that one's just going to be running uh for however long. Uh this will be a level two one because I want to actually take time and some days of the week or some Saturdays not have a full session, but role play out people getting level three and becoming their class. So I kind of want to include a lot more role play because that was something that I felt we were I was weak in uh, for the first campaign was the actual role playing side of things. Um, it's not easy for me to do like voices or like come up with stuff like on the spot. So it's definitely something that I want to kind of improve with. Um, where campaign one did have a lot more like combat and it had a lot more unique combat scenarios. Um, so I kind of want to start using campaign two to 
kind of work on stuff where I'm weak in certain like categories. This the improv. The improv is what makes it uh, hard for me. Um, the I I always feel like uh so as far uh, for the three pillars of like the of RPGs where it's like exploration, social interaction, and combat. I think your 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 best one was ironically combat and exploration, um, and then social interaction. You know, it's not even because you can't do voices. It's just you know it's it's the fuck how do i respond to that and i yeah, get that a lot too with my yeah, players it's how to respond to that i mean i'm also the crazy dm that people talk about where i run a game for eight to nine players at a time so yeah. it's also stuff like that um even now it's yeah, like I, I was planning for this one to be kind of more of a west marches style for campaign two but even now it feels like it's just going to be the 10 of us hanging out in discord again on saturdays um but because of that number, we are going to be missing people from time to time as well. And I think with this campaign, I'm going to probably be forced to just run it with who I have and come up with scenarios like on the like on the spot for those people. Like I'm probably not going to aim to have story threads like continue from session to session. Like we end here like mid this thing. And the next session will be that thing because if those main people aren't here, then we can't really, right, continue with it. So it's going to be a lot of a kind of learning how to adjust and all that. And um, but yeah, this one's definitely going to have a little more emphasis on role play because we're using the loyalty uh, variant honor. rule or the honor rule. Uh, so a lot more social interaction. Uh, involving stuff like that you know code of honor uh kind of a code of like bushido in a way and exploration because at least for this first arc uh if you've seen our you've seen our discord and how it sets up there's like something weird happening in a village so probably a little more uh detective kind of stuff for this first arc because you're trying to figure out what's going on it's a good thing i'm an intelligence caster and um but yeah because I can, Kevin, our friend Kevin, uh, can back me up that every campaign that I've run before this, too, the combat has always stood out. Like, I like coming up with creative combat situations. Really cool. It's um, a really cool combat. But I don't want combat to always be ahead of the other two things because I know some people aren't just in it for constant, you know, fighting. I know some people like the social interaction, some people like the exploration or the sense of discovery that comes with it. So campaign two is definitely going to be the balance me being more aware of the balancing act of uh what D D is. The three pillars. Yeah. So I think I think my personal three pillars, uh, I think I'm much better at the I think I'm good at the social interaction and the combat. And I think the exploration is where I'm lacking. Um it's hard to do it's hard to do exploration. Like a lot of campaigns don't just have like this world you know like they don't just like set a wilderness like hex map in front of you or like a city map in front of you and it's like what do you guys want to do there you go most players want to just follow the plot so mm -hmm. you as a dm will be like oh yeah i've heard something from you know this guy over here in the market maybe you should go talk to him and you kind of guide like the party through the social stuff to get to it uh or you have or you have the players that are like, oh no, that guy can go fuck himself. I'm going this way instead. Yeah. 
the joke. It's like you enter a tavern and you see a hooded figure sitting in a corner with a scar down his face. Who else is in the tavern? There's a goblin named Boblin. I want to go talk to Boblin. Yeah. So it's just classic. It's just like, yeah, okay. But it's kind of hard to do uh, uh, exploration. Give me one sure. Doorbell. Okay. I'm the only one here. Transition. <laughs> uh, sorry about that. That was uh, that was a weird doorbell. But okay, whatever. I'm here. Yeah. Um. As I was saying, like a lot of campaigns don't really give you a good chance to focus on exploration. I think in terms of like recent adventures published by wizards it's uh descent into avernus and ghost of salt marsh are really campaigns that let players decide where they want to go and like what they want to do uh in what order where a lot of campaigns especially you know dungeons of dungeon of the mad mage water deep that's more dungeon crawl and social stuff so it i guess it has to be the campaign designed to kind of focus on exploration I think Storm King Thunder was a good example of a module that was set deeply in exploration. Because yeah. after the first, uh, um, spoilers for Storm King Thunder. After the first, uh, after the first introduction of the giants, uh, you kind of fuck off onto the map and just run around until the DM's like, "All right, time for the plot again." Yeah. So I guess your campaign kind of has to be geared towards exploration if you want to make it, you know, exploration. Like if I was running a West Marches style game. It would be more exploration, but even not to like the full extent, it'd be like, hey, what, where do you guys want to explore today? Instead of just, you know, like RPing, like the travel time and, you know, foraging and all that other stuff. That's definitely an older style of D&D, I think. I mean, exploration also gets rewarded in dungeon crawls since, you know, you're kind of just in a maze. So... But a lot of uh, my stuff is probably going to be focused more on like social and combat, uh, probably with a more of a focus on social now, given the system uh, and the variant rules that we're using in the setting, uh, you know, appeasing people in higher positions than you or, you know, learning to knowing when to like act honorably or dishonor uh, dishonorably towards people. So definitely going to be a little more emphasis on the social side of things. Uh, I like my character. He's uh, the, I guess his concept in that world is going to be like bull in a china shop because he has a pretty low honor stat. That's his dump stat. It makes sense because he's not from the area. And he's a minotaur in an Asian setting. So yeah, he is a bull in a china shop. (laughs) Yep. yep. But, um, I expect you to have like an actual porcelain shop for me to like just terrorize. Yeah. But, uh, so we're kind of in the beginning steps of that. Everybody's getting their characters made. I know our friend Erica, uh, messaged me asking, you know, what does the party have at the moment? And she's trying to mm-hmm. fill a niche. Cause that's another thing that I let happen as a DM. Um, we had kind of, we had characters that kind of overlapped each other in terms of what they do in campaign one. So there was always somebody taking the rein and the other person not being able to really do anything because that person has it handled. And I think I'm going to be kind of more aware. What's up? Is that, an, is that like an observation you had or is that an observation like one of some of the other people have like mentioned? That, that's curious to me. 
it was something that was brought up. Uh, I'm just going to say it's um, Eric, uh, our friend Erica and our friend Mike. Their characters were kind of similar and what they mm. did as characters and, you know, their knowledge that they had when it came to mm. things. So one of them would always, you know, it would always be like a kind of push and pull of who would be more useful in the situation. Gotcha. Okay, and I don't want that to happen again. I kind of want everybody to feel like a niche that their character can like shine in. And it was funny because it was almost brought up again because uh, I got the message and she was like, Hey, I want to do something, you know, supernatural based, maybe like a supernatural hunter. And I was like, Mike's a ninja that hunts supernatural creatures. So. Oh, oh no. Not again. And that's, and that's when I posted in the discord, I was like, Hey, everybody talk about your characters. <laughs> So, kind of seeing, I, uh, kind of seeing what had and uh, what didn't, kind of seeing what you know people had and what people didn't have. My concepts are intentionally out there so everyone else can pick their own niche. So yeah, it's just kind of get. I want everybody to have a chance now to do something unique, rather than having these characters that kind of overlap with each other uh, from time to time. Because in campaign one, you know, Atticus, before I let him switch to a warlock, he was a cleric. So if he was staying a cleric and then Haley started playing, you know, there'd be two clerics kind of. There was already two druids, so yeah, that's fine. two druids. And even then, uh, the character Wiss uh, branched off into warlock and sorcerer. So mm -hmm. they were just kind of throwing cross classes into it. Uh, yeah, I say druid for two. He's so I kind of, a... yeah, so I just kind of want people to kind of each have their own, like, uh, unique like position to fill in the group it's kind of hard when you have a lot of players um but hopefully talking about it and discussing uh characters and like histories will probably open up some more possibilities i think you also run the risk when when you everyone is like a unique like archetype that they're trying to fill with nine characters where if one's missing that or one or more are missing then it's like oh crap now we don't have a healer you know what i mean yeah well, like that was also the same situation that campaign one fell in because if we had everybody, we would have three characters who deal with, you know, engineering or inventing, uh, because they're all from, uh, Britannia, which is the steampunk England, and that would have been you know Flory, Doc Green, and Bang. Uh -huh. So, like, they all kind of fill that same niche of you know engineering or machinery. So. I just kind of want to avoid yeah. uh, people. People can overlap, but I don't want them to outshine like one sure. another based on what they should know and what their characters should be able to do. Well, there's a, there's a difference between like both people because even I, I would say right now, even if like we double up on classes again, I don't think we're going to hit the same subclasses or the same themes or the same concepts again. No, because I know some people are, st they have basic ideas, but they're trying to find a combination. They're trying to find like classes to use. And we still have some third party stuff uh, coming yeah. in for this one. Um, the Witchblade, uh, more of a melee sorcerer. And then yeah. we have somebody playing a Kensai, which isn't the monk Kensai. It's the Kensai from the Heroes of the Orient book. So it's this whole other class uh, with all this other stuff going on with it. So. It's just kind of like making sure everybody can do something where it's like, oh, I'm 
I would do this, but you know, they're better at this than I am, so I'm not going to try. Kind of feeling. So I want to avoid doing that. That was another thing that came up uh, from campaign one. And uh, I don't want players to feel left out because they can't, you know, outshine somebody else doing something. It's not even a matter of like sh uh, outshining, it's just having your own little spot for the spotlight. Yeah, I think, that's, I think that is a major difference. Yeah, it's just coming down to, you know, who wants to make this check, and it's like, I have the better, you know, modifier for this, so at that, that point, works in play-by-post, because you know, it, it, I could just be like, hey, I have a, I have a plus seven to my insight, you want it, you want me to roll it? Yeah, and, and that's another thing um, that, that's what I'm, and I'm using the play-by-post to also experiment with stuff, like limiting the number of people who can do checks, because that's another thing that I let happen a lot in campaign one, it's like, hey, I need a somebody to roll me an investigation and it was like three other people would do it also so it's like no i want you to pick who in this party is going to roll for this so uh, so uh, i i actually have a suggestion for that um and you could use it if you want those of you who are at home can use it if you want doesn't matter to me um uh investigation checks yes people should probably roll those and maybe have have two people roll that that's fine but if it's something like uh say a religion check or you know uh an intelligence based check um or even other checks as necessary you 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 want to make sure that the the question you want to ask is are you trained in that skill yeah um, so if you have the proficiency yeah if you have the proficiency then yes this might be some esoteric thing that you know for yeah. some reason again that's just being more aware of uh mm -hmm. stuff in the moment um, I think everything that I've learned from the first campaign going into the second campaign is knowledge that other people can probably use is that your first campaign is going to be a mess, but mm -hmm. you're going to pick up a lot of stuff and kind of have the knowledge now of like what to do differently and like what changes to make on your side of things. And that's thing is like campaign one, it was fun, but it was just chaotic at times. And just all I, st I think, yeah, I think just... it was. I think it's a good idea to have gotten it like out of the way. It's like to you know get it yeah. off your back, you know. And now, yeah. now that you start fresh with another campaign, um, you can take these lessons you've learned and actually apply them somewhere. Yeah. So now it's like, all right, what did I learn from the first campaign, and how can I put that towards you know everything moving forward? Um, just kind of being more aware of what didn't work in the mm -hmm. first one or stuff that worked but you could have done better i think that's what uh most players are going to learn as they finish their first campaign whether it be a homebrew one or whether it be a module ran one so uh it i like um uh, one of the things i like the most about running modules is because like i said i'm very good at combat i'm pretty good at combat i'm pretty good at, at social interactions so yeah. i got those down pat the explorations where I'm lacking, so the the, the modules kind of help me like bridge that gap. Yeah, and uh, Paul the Nether Deep is going to give me some chance to to do that. It feels like I've been reading ahead. There's definitely some like exploratory phases. Yeah. So hopefully, I can take what I've learned uh, from this and put it towards you know future games. But I have more time to I have time to actually like plan this one out and. Not just, not in like fine detail like I had hoped to do with campaign one, but kind of more just general in the 
a level range that the story is going to progress in. So I'm like, I'm not thinking, you know, 10 levels ahead. I'm thinking of between levels three and five and mm-hmm. how that story plays out. And then I'm thinking of five to 10, you know, like how, what's the plot of this part of the story? It's best to think about it in like terms of like the, the, the tiers, right? So there's yeah. a tier one, which is like one to five tier two is like six to 10 or something like that. And then yeah. tier three and is above that. So. Yeah, I think it's like it's like village, city, region, world is like mm-hmm. how well known your people are. Mm-hmm. So the arcs have kind of, I guess, got to escalate with that to a degree. But I don't know, it's been it was wild. Like I finally cleaned up like the server, and I was going through like old like archive channels from when the server when the campaigns were separate and stuff, and it's like where we started and you know how everything had changed up until the end it was just like a wild journey looking back at it mm-hmm. it's funny this was the first session back after like four weeks of us having to put it off for various reasons and then it's just like we we're so horny done. for D that we we're like we're gonna end it yeah we're just gonna end it so i don't know it was a it's a good feeling to be done but like i said it probably could have been the ending while satisfying and fitting to how chaotic the party was, uh, probably could have also been done better to ensure that everybody got a chance to enjoy it. But like I said, I can just take kind of that and keep that in the back of my mind for the next, you know, mm-hmm. campaign we run and all that. But what's the point of doing another one if you're not going to learn from the first one? Especially if the first one's a chaotic mess like it was. Yeah, I, 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 so, uh, when I ran Storm King's Thunder, I ran it with the context that it's in my world, uh, in my world, uh, Toronto's, um, and so with that context, as the dog is pushing my table, um, <laughs> as with that context, um, I've had, I had to like get really creative about, uh, this is where this is in the in my world, this is where this is in my world, and so on and so forth. Um, and kind of some of it was some of it was admittedly pretty arbitrary. I, was, I like ping the location on the map, but that's where it is. Go there. Um, but I think um, as I completed that that campaign, and it was it was pretty scuffed until like towards the end, and even the end was kind of scuffed. Um, but that that's that's okay. Like you were saying, all, your first campaign's always scuffed. Yeah. Um, I, hope, I now run. Uh, yeah. You can only hope to like learn uh, from it. Mm-hmm. So. Um, my next, my next campaign that I, I, I run another, I run another game in that world. And, uh, in that one, I've taken all the lessons that I've, I've taken all the lessons that I've learned. I've DM'd all of my players, like all my original players, like, Hey, where do you guys think you would be in like five, 10 years? Yeah. Um, and I, they're, they're populating the world, kind of making it richer. Um, and all of them are kind of, except for one who's in hell doing like a Davy Jones type of thing. Um, but the rest of them are like populating the world, doing their own thing now. Because uh, the way it ended is like everyone kind of just, it's like the fellowship where like they 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 did the thing and then they kind of split off. It was it was very cool, and I get to take those lessons that I've learned from running a scuffed Storm King's Thunder and take them on to a new campaign. Where uh, those now those players are making my world richer. 
Yeah, so I think if I was going to give advice for any DMs like running a campaign who are worried about it, just run it and finish it and just learn what you did because it, if it starts, it can start good and get scuffed. And even if you try to end strong, you know, it's still going to be kind of scuffed because of how it's mm -hmm. progressed. But the most you can do is learn from it for when you start the next one. And if your players are still playing, you know, then they're enjoying it. So I'll ask your players after every session hey did you guys have fun you're gonna hear that if you ever is sitting on my session turkey hey did you guys have fun and they're gonna say yes or no one way or the other and i will address concerns as necessary and you, you'll you'll see that every single session because i cannot live unless my players have told me that they had a good session yeah and like that's the biggest thing for me too like i would always end it and be like you know shit did i run a good session and then like when I asked, did got get the feedback where it was like the three sessions, like back to back to back of like tension was happening and like stuff was happening in the plot and it was like burning people out and stuff like that. Yeah. So there was just kind of yeah. like there was kind of moments where it's like you know I could have been more, you know, aware of things. But like I said, that's just stuff you're gonna learn uh, going mm -hmm. forward. Um, I think another thing for newer newer dms or aspiring dms is you want to learn uh you want to always the one thing you always want to keep in the back of your mind is the stuff that if you you should have done a session zero uh that your players that you know your players and these are their phobias these are their triggers and stuff like that so that if you know that something similar to that is going to come up uh you remember in your head it, does this does this person mind if I like you know blank screen it and imply it off screen, or does this person just not want to hear about it at all? Yeah, um, that's maybe the most important thing I can ask uh, any aspiring DM is to do your session zero, do it right, uh, figure out where the boundaries are for your players and, and and yourself, and make sure you are enforcing that at all times. Yeah, and that was like something that would happen with uh when it came to our friend Lindsay's character's backstory, uh, based on the situation where there was somebody in power who was abusing her, and it was always implied what he wanted. And I asked when I talked to Lindsay about it, I was like, "How do you want me to play this guy?" And pretty much got the go ahead as like, "If you can make my skin crawl, you're doing it right." So. <laughs> But yeah, I never, there was never there was never a uh, yeah, but there was never like an explicit like thing that happened. It was always implied, sometimes heavily implied, just to get the point across. Um, but yeah, nothing ever like that really happened. So that's another thing. To just keep in mind is uh, figure out what makes your players comfortable and uncomfortable, and adjust accordingly. And make sure you're like make sure that yes, that is happening to the player. You still have like five other players at the table, five, six, however many you have. Yeah. Uh, you had like 20, so that's fine. Yeah. Um, but I'm, uh, uh, yes, you are. But it happened like it's happening to one player, but it's also all the other players can still hear it, yeah, even if their characters are still not there. there at the moment. They're still there experiencing it in the moment. So that is that is another thing to keep in mind is, yes, that person is okaying and enthusiastically, but these other players still have to hear it. And it might make them uncomfortable as well. Yeah. Uh, so you, that's why it was a good idea for Sharky to be like, no, this is just implied. Just move to the side. Yeah. Do not become the next post on RPG horror stories. Yeah. So. 
read that. A lot of RPG horror stories read, are just read like, that shit and keep, read that shit and keep yourself grounded. Like, don't be those guys. No kidding. Don't be those DMs either. It's just some people are fucking crazy. A lot of a lot of a lot of RPG horror stories happen because they didn't session zero. Yep, I did not. Um, and I'm gonna say I I've gone through all of my uh with this campaign that I'm gonna be running uh in your Discord. Uh, I've I've gone through all, every player individually. Like, hey, you know these these are the triggers as I see it in this. At that, since I've read through the module, these are the triggers as I see it. Uh, if any of these bother you, let me know. We'll see. I'll see what I can do about it. Um, and you know I've gotten all my responses back. But even with that, I'm still gonna go back uh our session one and still take thirty minutes and be like. All right, guys. This is this is what we're agreeing to here. This is the shared experience that we're agreeing to. Is everybody okay with this? Yeah. Um, so it's just communication. All right. I know we started both of these uh, campaigns that eventually fused into this mega campaign uh, without a session zero, which is something that I'm going to fix when we finally do start campaign two. Mm-hmm. We do have a uh, RP channel like set up for the prince that you guys uh, serve under like approaching the village but the campaign the session zero is going to be you know talking and then that's going to be kind of the lead in to the first session so we kind of have like a baseline to work with and that is something else to get better for myself in doing Mm -hmm. usually just like jumping in but it does kind of make things uh a little sloppier since i'm kind of piecing everything together um but like like we say, that's that's the improvement that you're taking from the last two campaigns that fused into one is that you're taking that session zero, uh, you're taking the concept of a session zero, and you're like, all right, this is what we're doing. Yeah, and I think over time, uh, honestly, the the safety tools that people have come up with have become, it's become more in vogue to use them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, especially with a bunch of like actual plays coming out. And these people are like, no, no, we session zeroed. All that intense role play, that is because we agreed to it together. Yeah. And I mean, with the players that I have uh, at the table, I feel like we all have a amount of trust with each other mm-hmm. uh, to not be too wild about it or to not go like too far uh, to things. Like, there is still room for improvement in some aspects, but it's not something that people are like actively like uncomfortable uh, with happening at that moment. So I was thinking just get yeah. a table you trust. Yeah. Uh, that goes for, that goes for the players and the DMS. Yeah. Um, I will say I specifically picked my players because, uh, 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 I came in really early. Like I have a brand new player, so I'm going to surround this new player with players that I know are, will help them out. Cause yeah. I'm going to be balancing a lot of things on my end. So I need, I need those, um, those, uh, what do you call them? Pro bono player representatives to help this one player out. Yeah. So I, I specifically picked my table with that context. I was like, all right, cool. I'll pick this person, this person, this person, this person, because they are not going to actively like push this person's buttons in a way that will make them uncomfortable. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I guess, uh, if there was any, you know, advice to pass on to just kind of the average DM who is wondering, like, you know, what to what to keep in mind from a finished campaign is just think back on it. 
think back on things like at the end of the session you're going to stop and think it's like shit i could have done that a little bit better and like that's just gonna be something you have like always going through your mind but um definitely looking back through it all you know did i give them enough time to role play did i you know focus too heavily on role play uh and nothing else did i you know do a session zero did i make anybody feel uncomfortable by accident did i you know i got i got put into a situation as a dm did i handle that you know as creatively as i could or rather than just you know kind of stop things you know dead in their tracks because of it so it's just kind of wow. stuff to stop and think about you know keep a notebook write down stuff to think about just kind of keep yourself uh, improving all the time you will never be as um man I guess I'll put it out there. You'll never be as incompetent as a DM that I've had uh, uh, in the past um, where uh, we were playing uh, t- the Tales from the Yawning Portal module or module, yeah. like a, it's a bunch of different like one shots. Um, and as we did one and the way it works is you're in a cave and there's a there's a dragon like under under the waves somewhere. Yeah. Um, and all of us played our characters exactly how we would. I popped the damn thing with an arrow um, and did like minuscule damage. And then it next turn, it breath weaponed us and killed us all. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, I think, I think uh, playing the characters the way I would, uh, that they would should be played. Uh, especially that person was like, particularly like, I hate dragons because they, you know, the dragon ate my villager, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah um and the the way the next turn they were just like breath weapon all right we're all dead um i still don't know why that dragon was there yeah it's um uh, it's like the what was supposed to lead into the cutscene. it's like okay i'm, I'm gonna hit them with one meteor because reading the spell they they can overlap so anything within the radius is going to take damage from each of them so i was like i'll hit them with one i'll use one to destroy the ship they were trying to get to and i'll drop two into the village or into the city mm-hmm. and like all right this is going to knock out a lot of people i'm not going to anticipate rolling very high so i don't risk killing the players i know with the blessing that our character tulio had that he may remain standing which is what i intended or what i wanted to happen because yeah. it's, it's going to focus on him at that moment long, but then storytelling baby we got a good enough. I got like a kind of a mid range roll, and then some people had that halved because of absorb element reactions that characters had. Um, so yeah, by the end of it, just four people uh remained standing out of the party of nine. One of them was the person that I intended to have remain standing, but it was just the other players that changed the scenario. Mm. So it wasn't like, oh. You know, I'm not going to drop all four meters onto these players because that will kill them. I was like, I'm going to take a calculated risk and use one and hope that it doesn't ruin the game. Mm-hmm. So. I yeah, think we were level five at the time we fought that dragon, too. So, like, that was an adult. That was an adult black dragon. We're not. I mean, you guys were level. Not surviving that. You guys were level 10. Uh, yes. It was a CR 14, like, wizard spell block, but there was nine of you. So I think according to the Cabal, the Cobalt Fight Club thing, it was either an easy or a medium. So it's yeah. like, okay. And I know it's like, they have the one level nine spell slot. So I'll use that and I'll drop one. 
and just kind of see how the numbers the numbers play out. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if it knocked everybody out, you know, it knocked everybody out. That was kind of the intent. You know, cutscene plays out, and then the game continues because there were other player, there are other people still around. You know, the city was having its revolution. Um, Alonzo was still in the picture somewhere. You know, people could have come to, you know, save you. Yeah. So I wasn't going to let the party die. Yeah, I wasn't going to let the party die. It was going to be more of a fade to black, and then the party wakes up, and now we continue the next arc. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that's another thing of, like, you know, player agency, but given the scenario, you know, it doesn't kill you, but it's definitely going to hurt, and that is also amping up the villain to agree. It's like, I could have killed you. So... I think... Uh, I think player. Yeah. I think players shouldn't consider player agency being like I can do what I want at all times. Yeah. I think you have to have trust in your DM, like we trust you to be like, no, he's going to tell a baller ass story right now. This is a moment that we will we're going to give up our agency in this moment so that this the DM can continue the story. Um, and I think a lot of players don't realize that the DM isn't an antagonist to you. As this cat snuggles up to me, no. uh, this this. This the DM is on your side. Uh, it's just that they're throwing obstacles at you so that for you to overcome. They're not throwing monsters at you specifically to kill you. It yeah. is it is uh, purely a relationship so that we can tell the best possible story with what we are given at the time. Yeah, and it's like I'm not going. To, I I understand like you know following the dice from time to time, but when it's like. Oh, if the dice tell me that all of my players are unconscious and now I'm going to have them all rolled, you know, death saves and risk losing multiple people, I'm going to say, no, we're not going to do that. I'm going to have some other characters save the party so we can continue on. It's just this is definitely going to be like a cinematic moment. So, but I guess that's a a good enough conversation. Kind of over an hour here. So, yeah, hit our hour. Um, yeah, I knew I knew immediately we we're going to hit an hour with this with this just because of how how much we can talk about this uh, topic, because it's just it's a lot. Right. Um, and I, I would say as a final word to DMs out there or aspiring DMs, rather, if you have watched if you've watched an entire season of Critical Role or Dimension 20, Matt has or, ripped up you know, character sheets and paper because the party has changed stuff. So even his campaign is not infallible. Well, my point to that is uh, for those of you who are, who see these DMs and are like, I want to, I want to try DMing. Uh, If you've watched critical role, if you watch dimension 20, if you watched like the official Dungeons and Dragons uh, stories that they have there, you're ready. You can do it. Pick up player's handbook, pick up like, uh, pick up the starter kit. You're good to go. It's a decent adventure in there. You don't have to be, you can, you we've said it, I think we said it in our, the group before, you don't have to be the perfect DM, you just have to be the perfect DM for your players. Yes. So, if they are if they want to keep coming back to you, you're doing something right. Mm-hmm. But it also doesn't mean, like, you don't have to, you don't have to not improve, you know? Like, you can keep learning something to improve yourself as it, but it's not like, hey, I did something wrong, my players don't seem to care, so I'm just not going to change that. It's right. like, I could have done this better. I know I could have done this better, so I'm going to do this better next time. Next time, yes, so, exactly. Talk that shit, Sharky. So it's just, 
it's always a learning thing like take every every campaign every session you do every one shot you do like try new stuff see what works for you what works for your players and what doesn't and then just eventually make it this big old mix but i'm not i'm not putting nine players into one campaign no i i need help (laughs) i just have a lot of friends okay I, i picked i picked six and I was like, even this is stretching my the like this is stretching me, but I think I got this from here. But like, like uh, it was like, oh, you've already picked all your players. I was like, yes, I am not a Sharky hat. Yeah. <laughs> I am not Sharky. I know I should narrow it like narrow it down a bit, but like I don't want people to be left out of things. So if I'm be like, hey, I just want six players to play in this campaign, and then have the other three like kind of sit out. It's like, no, that doesn't make me feel good because I'm. I'm neglecting three friends from playing. We, also, we tried that initially, right? It was like, okay, the first five people to hit in, you guys are in. Uh, but yeah, that, that did kind of fall through. Yeah, because everything started linking all the players together and yep, other stuff like that. And sessions, plot threads started continuing past the one shot. And uh, I, I also want to say that th- these things, these things were sharky can have all these players in his games that works for sharky that doesn't work for me uh and that's the last lesson that you should learn as an aspiring dm is that no two dms are the same yeah i dm differently from sharky sharky dm differently for me we both dm differently from matt mercer and brendan lee mulligan and i'm not going to dm the same way you're going to dm yeah you're going to dm the best way for your table i'm going to dm the best way for my table yeah well i hope everybody enjoyed this conversation at least a little bit different than what we normally do but kind of a retrospective slash advice uh discussion like just kind of throwing out stuff from somebody who is just you know your average dm like we're not you know matt mercers or brennan lee mulligans so it's not just be this them. we are going we are the people that are going to more than likely you know be at your table or you're going to be at our table so it, we're on the same tier list of dms so uh yeah uh i don't know just pick up a player's handbook go nuts you got this yeah pick up the three books go crazy you don't have to do a lot of homebrew you don't have to buy like everything just buy the three core books and just try it out so you you will love it trust me yeah it's a great game it's it's something that you can do for a long time too Mm -hmm. but I guess uh, we'll probably conclude this episode here. Yeah. So thank you all for listening to me basically ramble for an hour. Uh, I know the campaign is probably out of context for a lot of you all since you weren't there and you don't know like the intricacies of it, but hopefully I was able to take stuff that happened and kind of put it into a relatable kind of scenario for you all. And kind of of advice, you know, just kind of give you some advice if you ever come across a situation like that mm-hmm. uh, we were hoping to get pyrotechnics uh, back in but unfortunately scheduling could not uh, work out and it would have been nice to have somebody you know from the outside you know with questions and stuff like that to uh, mm-hmm. kind of feed it in like kind of help guide the conversation try to get some stuff off twitter but like I said I'm a no name in the TTRPG community so Nobody's going to talk to you. Yeah, simple sharky hat. Oh, don't start that. 
if you have any questions for us, uh, especially if you are a newer DM, go ahead and put them in the comments. Um, both of us are, have been DMing for like, uh, Shark has been DMing for forever. Uh, I've been DMing for about five-ish years at this point. Um, to say however long Shark, how long have you been DMing? Five or six, ever since uh, 5th edition really started picking up with Critical Role. I think it so, was yeah, we uh, have about-, about halfway through Critical Roles when I started with 5th edition. So, so. I, tried, so I started with Pathfinder. Now. So, oh God. and that was never a whole, that. that's a whole mess of another system I never want to go back to. So, so we have about 11 ish years of experience between the two of us. So, you know, that's, that's probably enough for the questions that you may have. Uh, and if they're not, then I'll tell you who you can go to. Yeah. Um, and if you like what we see, what you see here, you can like it, you can share it with a friend, uh, comment on it, uh, let, uh, subscribe if you like, if you really want to see more of us. And I mean, this has been the without pod, without podcast context. Nice, <laughs> without context podcast. And we'll see you next time. Yeah. Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye.